Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ask an Engineer. It is the best, most fun engineering live show on the internet that ever has been, ever will be. It's me, Lady Ada. With me is Mr. Lady Ada, broadcasting live, as always. The most popular electronic show on Wednesday at 8 p.m. That's right. Uh, As always, we're broadcasting live from downtown Manhattan, uh, close to, but not exactly near, the Adafruit factory, where we are safely quarantining... At home, not going out, getting a lot of takeout, eating Chinese food, and well, working on electronics. That's not true. We we go to the we go we go every day, but right now, so we decided let's do the shows at home because we'd have to take our masks off yeah. and like talk Awkward. and do everything, and we're all working different shifts. So we that's decided true. to do the shows from home, and then when we go to work, it's very specific. Yes, and focused. We're not doing our shows there for now. That's right. That's what we decided. Okay. So that's us. That's right. time for the show. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, we are open, smart, and safe. Um, all of our team members have been masking up from the start. Gloves. We do surface testing for COVID. We are in New York, so we got hit first and worse, and uh, we've been able to get through it. Um, you can look at all of our blog posts. You can also go to adafruit.com slash open safely. And uh, thank you so much, Joel, who emailed us and uh, said, hey, like, I feel safer because I see what you publish publicly on how you're protecting your employees, and that makes me feel safe for the orders that I'm placing on your site. So all of us at Adafruit, um, pre-COVID photos disclaimer. Yes. Um, thank you, because your orders have kept us going. Thank you so much. And as I mentioned um, last week and the week before, um, before you even get started on what's on the show, yes. don't forget adabox.com is shipping where you want to go. It's shipping uh, literally now. Now. So you have a little bit of time before the Halloween one's gone. We have a few slots open. They might be gone by the end of the week. So if you're thinking about it, do it. adabox.com, Halloween edition. You're probably going to be inside, so you may as well learn some skills. That's right. Okay. On tonight's show, show and tell. People around the world show and share their projects. Lady Ada will talk about who is on the show and tell. Indeed. And what they shared jp's workshop um make code and we'll also have some previews mm-hmm. time travel look around the world of makers hackers artists and engineers 
some Python on hardware news, some in New York City factory footage, some 3D printing, everyone's favorite segment, DigiKey mm -hmm. and Adafruit present Ion MPI this week. Malexis. Malexis is going to be one of the companies that we talk about their NPI, new product introduction, the thing that Lady Ada is going to talk about. Correct. We have some new products. We got some top secret videos and more. We're going to be showing off the Stemma Friend um, in particular. Stay tuned for that. We'll answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 25,000 of us. And um, you're watching Ask an Engineer. That's right. Okay, so first up, um, yes. instead of doing discounts, because one, like, you know, we need money, um, we, but we, instead of just, like, saying, like, here's a 10% off coupon, what we're doing is we're adding more freebies to freebies. the freebies. So our big freebies, freebie freebies, now freebies. is the Stemma That's right. QT line of products. So, Lady Ada, what do they get? I'm glad you asked. When you order $99 or more, you get a free Promo Proto half-size breadboard. People love this. I see them in a lot of people's projects. And uh, for a limited time, we have a new freebie. At uh, $149 or more, you get a free Stemma QT board. We have a range of different boards, uh, our most popular little sensors and uh, breakouts and adapters and all that. Um, and uh, you'll get one free with your order. And uh, if you make an account, you'll get a different one each time. So you should make an account because that way we can keep track of which ones you've already gotten. One, uh, 99 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental US. Um, as we get closer to holiday deadlines, uh, UPS ground will not be recommended, but for now, totally fine. You can order stuff. You'll get it well before the holidays, not a problem, and we'll let you know when that's no longer true. Uh, you can even order stuff for Halloween and still get it by Halloween. Uh, if you need costume ideas. And then at uh, 2 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, your all-in-one development board for um, uh, making uh, and creating and crafting and electronics. And you can use Arduino or CircuitPython or MakeCode or Golang or TinyGo, whatever. It kind of supports like everything. And it's, it's a really great beginner board because it's all the LEDs and sensors. Sensors already built in. Okay. Uh, show and tell people on the world, show and share their projects. Lydia is going to do a very fast recap. Who's on the show and tell what they share? I'm glad you asked. Uh, we had Erin come by with her selfie cove. That's a new guide that's just come out. Um, you know, people are going to be taking selfies at home now, so why not have, like, a selfie cove like you'd have at uh, those cool, like, dessert places that have, like, a neat neon sign? You can make your own safely and without even any soldering using LED neon. Um, JP is making a cardboard... Window Skull Friend, uh, check that out. He used uh, Phil B's um, LED eyes for Matrix Portal to make a gigantic floating skull, it's a ratty skull. And Melissa is working on hacking a keyboard to add MIDI. So she's got the uh, keys pressing, when she presses the keys, it displays which one got pressed. It's like halfway done. Now Pedro made a cool tombstone um, Matrix project where they took a foam core um, tombstone and they cut out like a shape in the center and, and mounted uh, matrix and they had little like spirit emojis um, with a puppeteered behind it. Philby uh, had Rick Baker's book. His, uh, he's like a monster maker extraordinaire. He's got a great Instagram and uh, this book is called Metamorphosis and it goes through like yeah, you've never heard of this guy like every single character or costume like he was flipping through the pages and I'm like yeah I've seen every one of these movies. Um, like it had the gremlins and it had um, various werewolves and vampires and yeah. and monsters. It's, it, yeah, an expert of practical effects and uh, uh, some great notes and behind the scenes footage and beautiful large photos. Uh, great for anybody who does crafting or costuming or cosplay. You can learn a lot. 
Uh, Sean came by uh, to talk about a new project he's making. He made a pumpkin that detects when you say trick-or-treat and it will dispense candy. It sounds like a light up. Um, so he trained it with Edge Impulse. He's going to do a guide, which I'm curious about because that's the hardest part of doing machine learning is how to train it to detect new words. Liz uh, 3D printed a Frankenstein monster head and she stuffed it with NeoPixels. More to come. Seth has been doing a bunch of cutie pie projects and uh, having a really good time with them. Edward um, made a Change My Lights uh, project. If you change his lights, uh, inspiring, also uh, request that you donate to Feed America. So it's like an all-in-one project. Uh, so I think a Google for like Change My Lights. Um, what was it like Change My I don't remember the name. But, um, it's in the chat. It's in the chat because the URL was like .biz or something. Um, and then uh, Mark uh, took a, the last Ada box and repurposed it instead of doing a plant water. He made a fountain with NeoPixels. Yeah. So a great remake of last Ada box. Can't wait for the next one. Okay. It's part of our Adafruit live series of shows. Just a reminder, you're watching Ask an Engineer. That's 8 p.m. Show and tell is 7.30. And those are the two shows we do on Wednesday night. But we also have other shows that we do all throughout the week and even on the weekends. Desk of Lady Ada is what we do on Sundays around Lady Ada o'clock. Like uh, eight, nine. Yeah, ish. and it includes the Great Search for DigiKey. That's where Lady Ada uses DigiKey and sorts through millions of parts and shows you how you can do it and find the part you need and more. Uh, JP's workshop is coming up on Thursday, which is tomorrow, but JP also does another show which is um, the product pick of the week. So I'm going to show two highlights and then the highlight from the product pick that is on Tuesdays, which is the cutie pie. So we're going to pay those back to back. See you on the other side. It's about the size of my fingertip. These things are tiny. It's a trinket-sized board, but even smaller. I love having USB-C on there. The other thing is having that Stemma QT connector on there. It will read the capacitive touch of all of these pads that I've pushed those wires through. I've also got a Stemma QT cable plugged into there so that I can use our little light sensor that we looked at last week. I'm able to use USB MIDI. So that's this little cutie pie. I absolutely adore it. Don't you feel like sometimes when these things get so cute and small, you just want to eat them? And uh, just a little note on that. I think we're the only company that broadcasts live from a product page. So JP broadcasted that live from adafruit.com slash cutie pie. Um, there's no such thing 
as the electronic press anymore. It's just press releases. Yeah. They're all owned by giant companies. So That's they don't, right. So back in the day, they used to do like stories about like electronics and like new technology, but now it's just press releases for for all yeah. the companies, uh, and it pretends to be uh, electronic information. But if there was journalism in the electronics community, um, I think it would be an interesting story because there's so much innovation going on in the maker world, yeah. and especially during COVID, but um, it might just take a while. That's why we publish all of our own stuff. Yeah. And speaking of publishing our own stuff, uh, we do a Make Code video every single week, and this is a Make Code Minute, which comes in um, a little bit over a minute. For the Make Code Minute today, what I wanted to do was show you a special little trick for printing your serial text from the Circuit Playground Express to this great little scope. This is the Chibi scope. Right now what I'm doing is I'm measuring some of the sensors on this board. So I'm measuring the switch position, I'm measuring the x-axis, I'm measuring the light sensor, I think that's it. But unfortunately it's scrolling by so fast we can't see it. So what I'm gonna do is flip the switch here and you'll see it stabilizes that text. So we can now actually read what's going on. So the question is, how do you do this? How do you make that, that work in a serial port? Well, this is actually a really neat function of the way the Chibi scope was designed. When I start this, I'm using this special, what they call verbs. I'm sending the serial write hashtag run. And that puts the display into sort of the free running mode that we saw at first. When I flip my switch, I'm calling this set the switch position to false. And in my forever loop, when that is set to false, it calls this locked sync text function. So you'll notice here again, we have this special verb. And in this case, it's serial write line locks so that locks the display. Then I write all of these strings to the screen. Some of them are strings, some of them are writing a full line. And so I have that all formatted nice and neat. And then at the very end of this, I write the line sync and that tells the whole screen to update and it just does this on every loop but it is always locking and syncing which prevents this mess of text going by which I love. So that is a little trick. It was actually written for the Chibi Scope using an Arduino but we're able to use it right in MakeCode because we can send that serial text of those little special hashtag verbs. So that is how you can use the Chibi Scope as a a uh, nice little serial readout for your Circuit Playground Express right inside of Make Code. And that is your Make Code Minute. Okay, time travel, look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers, and new things that are going on. Um, this is neat. So, uh, my friend Natalie and our friend Diane Eng, who yeah. I think the maker world knows both of these folks. Um, this is like OG style. Yeah, I worked with Natalie, um, actually I knew Natalie back when we were both in advertising circles. Yeah. And Diana we knew from, uh, I guess, the craft world, electronics world, art world. And yeah, then, she was doing cool, like, fabric art. Yeah, and then Natalie worked at Craft Magazine. Why yeah. does that make magazine? But um, Natalie and Diana have a new video series that they're launching on Adafruit called STEM Chat. So wow. we just launched that. We're going to have it once a month. And just check out all the different things. This is episode one, Kids Learn Through Play. Um, really neat, all the things that went into it. Thank you so much, Natalie and Diana, for putting this together. So if you have youngins or if you just want to, like, get an idea of the type of things that you can do in the world of STEM with kids, check this out. All right. Um, 
if you didn't know it by now, um, it's election season. So it's 20 days <laughs> really? from now. Yeah, it's 20 days from now. And, um, you know, just because it's November 3rd, that doesn't mean that's going to be over that day. So get your voting plan together. Check out adafruit.com slash vote. You can see all the resources we put together. Get absentee v- ballots from a lot of states yeah. still. Check your local state. See if you can do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not here to tell you to vote. We're here to give you resources if you're thinking about it. So, you know, you can just do it. So we got our we got our absentee ballots here. Um, we still might go to the polls. Um, Look, spend, spend as much time researching and getting information about voting as you do on, like, the latest iPhone. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's going to look back and say, what were you during, doing during 2020? Um, you know, we decided to help out the city, make face shields, do medical yeah. devices, kept the company going, going, and uh, get the word out about important social causes. Um, and this year in particular, um, I think having the population vote um, because elections have consequences, that they, that's a common phrase now. So we'll see. But anyways, adafruit.com slash vote. You can check out all the resources uh, and more. And uh, just like we did during peak COVID in New York, we'll probably be covering what's going on um, November 4th. <laughs> so okay. watch, our, watch our Instagram and more. We'll tell you exactly what's going on in our city, New York. TikTok. Um, other things. Um, happy Lady Ada Lovelace Day. Ah. Lady Ada Lovelace Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, Yesterday? Just a couple days ago. A couple days ago. And uh, here's just some of the pictures of the ladies from Adafruit. Thanks for putting this together, Jelly and Abby. And it's a worldwide celebration of Ada Lovelace, who is one of the overlooked programmers um, in the world where programming kind of got its start. Um, you know, some, some guy can debate about that on Twitter with you, but uh, most people agree that the ideas and some of the things that went into what turned into algorithms and pl- programming... Yeah. Um, Ada Lovelace uh, was part of it, which makes sense because she was a degenerate alcoholic gambler, which is exactly That's my favorite thing which about is exactly why you need a bunch of math, especially I know back in the olden times. I know. Well, that's like a really good incentive to learn math. So you yeah. want to get an edge on those horse races. Yeah. I'll right, check her out. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Woman with the fascinating. Past. We wouldn't Adafruit wouldn't be called Adafruit without her. That's right. Um, so let's go over to some Python on hardware news. We were that's still right. in beta. But so close to release candidate. Close to release. And uh, just a little bit of a note for those of you who like to collect, you know, these very memorable, like, version boxes back in the day, like Windows 95, Windows 3.1. Now they're collector. Like, they, there's art that went into it. So we have a version poster. Like Claris works? Yeah, we have a version poster for each, uh, almost each one. That's so right. this is CircuitPython 6. Yeah. And it's in our store right now, adafruit.com slash new. You can check that out. And in the newsletter this week, uh, stuff that's going on, um, big okay. news, I think, is Visual Studio Code supports Raspberry Pi and ARM Chromebooks. So that just means more places to use and learn to code. And People really love Visual Studio. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's specifically for Python too. If for Python especially, it's a really excellent. I mean, it's it's what's funny. People don't realize, like you know, this is a very old uh, Microsoft piece of software, but it's it's yeah. fast. It's well supported. It you know a lot of things are plugins. Um, so check it out. Yeah, so and also Python. ARM Chromebooks work yeah. so well. Um, CutiePie, CircuitPython tricks. Uh, Todd's doing a really neat collection of uh, CircuitPython tricks. So I'm seeing those on Twitter. I'm also seeing these from a lot of different people. Check it out. There's all sorts of little neat things you can do. Um, of course, we have Halloween stuff. Scott's Deep Dive is coming up this week. Um, I'm going to talk about the SparkFun customer survey in a second. 
Circuit Python, Blinkbot. You can check out the programmable oh, yeah. chatbot that you interface using Bluefruit for Connect Discord. App. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Circuit Playground, Bluefruit, and you can check out the code and more. Sorry, Twitter. no, there's a different Discord bot. So yeah, the Discord API, and then there's the Blinkbot. Yeah. Sorry, so sorry, that, I got confused. That one. Um, here's a display the Cisco WebEx meeting status to everyone. That's um, handy. Yeah. Do you really need this? I'm now? in a lot of WebExes. Yeah. So um, you can use the Pi Portal and the Cisco WebEx APIs. Uh, Aaron put together an AdaBox, and this is what the Clue and Soil Sensor stuff that we were up to. And we have all the rest of the news that we do usually each week from workshops to events and more. Kind have, soon. Coming soon. We're going to show some of the top secret stuff as well. New learn guides for CircuitPython libraries. We are up to 275. I think wow. that's... Yeah, it's pretty much... Will you want to do celebration at 300? Yeah, sure. Or okay. 276, because it's a, no, no one ever celebrates 276. I know, that poor number. Yeah. So, anyways. All the and updates from everybody and around the community. Yeah, so check do out. check out adafruitdaily.com, and you can get this newsletter delivered to you every single week. I learned something every Big time. news in Python on hardware news yes. is the new microbits here. I even have one. They sent yeah, me one. Off. Thank you. I have a video that we'll talk about. Um, that the video will talk about some of the new features, but why don't you talk do you about... Want to, do you want me to talk about the features now or in the new product section? Uh, just spend a couple seconds because I'm going to okay. play this video. So uh, the new microbit's the same size and shape as the old microbit V1. It still has the 25 LEDs on the front. It's got two buttons on the side in the same location. You flip it over, and um, it's got a new processor. So instead of the NRF51, it now has an NRF52. So it's like a Cortex-M4 processor. It's actually very similar to the NRF52 840 series that we really liked. It's a little bit less flash and RAM, which is because the micro bit doesn't need that much. And um, they took, I think, some inspiration. I'm gonna take credit, the inspiration from the Circuit Playground, they added both a microphone and a speaker. I remember we chatted about Circuit Playground, yeah. how we thought having um, audio input and audio output would be a great addition. And I think when Microbit saw that, they were like, that's a good idea. And they added it, which is awesome. So now you can yeah. do um, voice control projects. It can like listen to sound or it can maybe do some machine learning with voice. Um, it's also got, uh, the accelerometer magnetometer is the same. Um, it's got a little LED for the speaker. Um, the alligator clips, there's now a little like notch at the bottom you can see. That's to make the alligator clips grab a little better. Um, the button is now an on off button as well if you like I think double click it. And I think the regulator is a little bit improved and there's apparently already make code and MicroPython support. So that's really awesome. And we're gonna look and see if there's some way to maybe run a variant of CircuitPython on it. Yeah. Be, so we'll talk cool. about that new product section because we have this coming soon, you can sign up. But here's a video that they made, so we're just gonna play it. You can now get even more creative with the sound on your microbit. The latest version has an inbuilt microphone and speaker, so you can program it to sense and make sound instantly. You can also use sounds to add personality to your projects and creations. So you can program your microbit to express how they feel when different things happen. You can make it smile and giggle and even program the accelerometer to increase the giggle pitch as your microbit moves. You can also experiment and play with the volume and pitch of musical notes and compositions in your programs so you can compose and send a singing heart to someone you love. You can program your microbit to respond to sound inputs too, so you can light up the LEDs with your voice, or get it to respond to your claps. Your microbit even knows when it's quiet. 
so you could program it to enjoy a peaceful moment with you too. So how will you use sound in your microbit projects? That's a new microbit, and that is our Python on hardware news for this week. Next up, some open source hardware news. Uh, it is Open Hardware Month. This month is all about documentation. The folks over at the Open Source Hardware Association sent us this nice little graphic. It says, <laughs> thanks to creators like you, we've reached 1,000 pieces of certified hardware. We love our community. Stay safe and keep building. At this oh, time, out of curiosity about what percentage of those are Adafruit. I think 43.59%. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird I think. that you know that exact number. Yeah. So, I mean, who's counting? Yeah. So about 40, so 43% of the certified open source hardware out there is from Adafruit. Very proud of that because uh, I remember when people would dunk on us and say, you don't have enough things certified, therefore you're not open source. Now we have the most certified stuff and they're, the like, they're like, could you stop it already? Stop. So anyways. Um, but we won't. No. And what we want to do is continue to encourage people to publish their hardware, publish their software. And uh, we can't wait to be displaced by someone else because it just means that there's more sharing, more code, more things. And speaking of open source hardware companies, um, every single year SparkFund does a survey. This year it's called the 2020 SparkFund Customer Survey. I fill it out each year because I say what we're up to. I say, yeah. and because there's things like what type of uh, what type of entity are you? I'm like, oh, business. Yeah. Um, I also put my name on it because like it's pretty clear who it is. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, like <laughs> how many people open source? How, how many people like write in lowercase and fill out surveys about open source hardware? It's me. Yeah. So um, I fill it out every year because I'm, I know what I think SparkFund should carry um, because our customers say I would buy this we from, carry a lot of their yeah, stuff now we do a lot of like quick and stemma stuff yeah so um, one of the things that SparkFund does is they listen so if you fill out the survey by the way I think they're giving away like 500 bucks of, of a gift certificate or something yeah um, but if you fill out the survey and you say things like I use Feather and I want Feather shaped things to, for my Feather ecosystem they'll do it and they have so SparkFund's done Feather boards um, they have things that support CircuitPython um, our stuff works well with Quick and Grove. And so I think that's one of the things that, you know, the, the open source companies and community, it was smaller and it was more tight knit. Now, like, everyone's kind of distanced, no pun intended, with social distance. Yeah. But there really isn't anything that drives collaboration now, I think, other than the community saying it's important for this stuff to work together. Yeah. So uh, anyone can make a featherboard. You don't have to talk to us. Um, it just makes it and they easier. Don't. They yeah. just do it. Yeah. In fact, we have we're stocking other feathers that today. We have. Yeah, it's in our store. So um, if you like the Adafruit stuff and you shop at SparkFun and you want SparkFun to carry some of our stuff, now's a good time to put that in there. So, anyways, that's why I'm mentioning it because they do listen, and over time they've added NeoPixels, they've added CircuitPython related things, they've added uh, feather shaped things. Mm -hmm. So there it is. They don't know unless you say it. That's right. So, anyways. Next up, we are an open source hardware company. We've got all those certifications to prove it, but um, the reality is I think it really comes down to the code and the guides and the hardware. And we have them. 2,315. What's on the big board this week, Lady Ada? I'm glad you asked. We have a whole bunch of new guides. We're really cranking out these guides. We have from JP um, a, an update to the LED matrix display uh, bitmap pixel art animation. Uh, last week it was just pixel art. Now it has animation sprite sheets, how to create sprite sheets and use them to um, do animations on your matrix portal. From Tim C, we have um, an adorable guide showing how to do basic multitasking on the circuit uh, uh, Python boards. So if you're bored and you want to like chew bubble gum, blink an LED, set some NeoPixels, and move a servo, 
um, all these things, when we read a button, it, it might not be obvious how you do that. A lot of times in Arduino, people say just use an interrupt, but it turns out you don't need interrupts. You can actually just do um, some elegant coding uh, and, and check states of things. And, and there's also um, capabilities inside of uh, CircuitPython, um, like yielding, that let you kind of like kick back, you know, to an, um, an earlier state in like your state machine and um, how to manage these. So Tim kind of goes through a couple of easy techniques to add multitasking to CircuitPython. Um, we might at some point add a more advanced version like um, async IO, but it's not easy to use. This is really easy to use and understand, so it's great for beginners. Um, Kathy did a really simple project, no solder, make a blinking hat using a Gemma, uh, some screw terminals and um, LED strand, like the plain LED fairy strands. And she just shows how you can just use um, a Gemma to control these LED strands. We had a similar project a couple weeks ago from Aaron on doing a fairy bottle. Uh, just coincidentally, two people kind of came up with the same kind of project idea, and I thought, go for it. Um, so an easy thing to update your Halloween costume, if you're doing that, or dressing up for Cyber Comic Cons, or you just want to make something light up for the winter holidays. Um, and Pedro are doing a couple of Halloween projects this week. Uh, they've got a tombstone matrix portal. We'll show the uh, video for that shortly. Um, we made live the BNO085 9DOF orientation fusion board. This is a new 9DOF sensor. Um, it's kind of like the big sister to the BNO055, which is very popular. This one has a lot of different reporting capabilities. It's a powerful chip um, with a great built-in algorithm. Uh, we've got Arduino and CircuitPython and Python code you can try it out with. Aaron uh, did an LED uh, neon... Uh, selfie cove. We'll yeah, show the video, video for that. It's uh, you know basically all those selfie coves you've seen in, in Instagram parties or events or restaurants. You can make your own. You don't have to go to a restaurant. Um, Carter did a cool project where um, we saw a paper. You saw a paper that used um, you know some basic machine learning, a laser, and like a, a beam splitter to uh, count the number of particles in the air when people are wearing a mask or what kind of mask or just no mask and just sneezing or breathing or coughing. And so we're like, hey, Carter, why don't you try replicating this science experiment? It's kind of a cool project, especially I think for uh, kids or students who want to build a, a real scientific project where you do analysis and data collection and then uh, figure out, you know, what is the answer? Like, I don't ruin it for you, so you should read the guide to perform the experiment, but it, it may make a difference if you wear a mask, and we can use science to prove yeah, it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we put the disclaimer up there. But here's the thing. No one listens and no one cares anymore. No one's listening to anyone. So, you know what? Like, this might be a good thing for you to try. <laughs> yes, we're not medical professionals, um, but this is a, based on a scientific paper, so you can maybe test to see um, the efficacy on uh, the filtration of a mask because... It's not really up to the leadership to tell us what to do anymore because they don't want to tell us to do anything. So that's fine. We'll do it ourselves. So this is our vibe. This is what we do at Adafruit. So we have – this is a cool project. Okay. Um, especially yeah. – I think especially for kids who are like, what's all this mass stuff? So instead of just turning it into that's what they say or it's a political thing, go and do some science because no matter what, at the end, you get some skills on the other side. Yeah, and this is a really good science project too. Carter is – he's really a scientist at heart, I can tell. Even better, he's a science educator. He is. Yeah. He really is. Um, and Katni did a great beginner guide for folks who have a, a Adafruit Cutie Pie and they want to use NeoPixels with CircuitPython. Um, she shows how to use the basic LED animations and also 
um, on a hack express and also have some basic NeoPixel code on a plain cutie pie. A lot of people just want to get a couple of LEDs blinking or pulsing. A cutie pie is an inexpensive and easy way to do it. Uh, NeoPixels are usually like the first thing people want to do with a new board. So Katni wrote up a guide to get you going. Yeah. All right, let's play this video. Yep. Build a custom neon selfie spot with LED neon. Use a lightweight window screen as the frame and create your neon shapes using craft wire to hold them in place. You can splice the wires on the back for tidiness, but soldering is not necessarily required for this project. Use screw terminals and splitters to plug the neon into power. Thanks for watching. See the full build tutorial on the Adafruit learning system. And remember to click that subscribe button for more awesome. All right, more guides ahead. Yes. Okay, we have some main New York City factory footage. Mm-hmm. Some stuff came in. These are the new Ooh. modules. These are going to get used in some things. Yeah. It's coming. This is the uh, the next countdown for climate change stuff. we got to work on that next. So yeah. Let's uh, fix democracy, solve this pandemic thing, then we'll get to climate stuff. Yeah. Uh, probably have to do it all at the same time. Okay, next up. Kitty pies. There's kitty pies. Kitty pies. Oh, kitty pies. <laughs> yeah. That's right, they are. Yeah. Good eye. How did you see that? Because I. I just went to the eye doctor and they said I had good eyes. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not yeah, kidding. Really good eyes. I can see that. Um, this is uh, Adafruit across the street. There's still a... Uh... Digging a hole. Yeah, I remember when, like, like you know, Disney's moving across the street. The rent's going to go up. I'm like, yeah, well, we'll see about that. Yeah. I don't think so. And what um, is Manhattan occupancy, like 10%? Yeah. There's uh, a lot of empty building space right now. Yeah, we, we walk every night to the office and we, like, we look in the windows and there's, like... Yeah. There's... Emptiness. And then here's a beautiful sunset. See, time still goes on no matter what, so you may as well learn some skills. Yes. All right, so next up, um, I got some 3D printing. Doop, so doop, 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 we're going to pay these back to back. Um, Noam Pedro did a neat speed up video, which is an iPod, AirPod case. And uh -huh. then what we're going to do first is the uh, Tombstone side. Matrix yeah. Portal project. So see on the other side. Hey, what's up folks? In this project, we're making a tombstone with Adafruit's matrix portal. We upgraded this foam tombstone with an RGB matrix so we could display animated graphics. The 3D skull is just a bitmap sprite sheet that is animated with CircuitPython. The matrix portal is a plug and play dev board that makes these type of projects fairly easy. 
We designed and 3D printed these brackets so we could attach this to things like Halloween props, picture frames, or just some foam core. With CircuitPython, you can animate sprite sheets and display them on the matrix. This uses the matrix portal library to create a slideshow that lets you cycle through your animated sprite sheets. In the code, you can adjust the frame rate and duration so you can customize the playback of your animations. Just drag and drop your bitmaps into a folder to get them running on the display. The bitmaps autoplay, but you could also use the built-in buttons on the side to cycle through them. To create the 3D skull, we used the Memojis from iOS so we could puppeteer the facial expressions. We think this is a fun and creative way to make custom animations. Be sure to check out the guide for details on creating bitmaps and animating sprite sheets in CircuitPython. You can get the parts to build this project, links are in the description. We designed this bracket to secure a USB battery to the tombstone. This second bracket is designed for securing the 32x64 RGB matrix display. The bracket for the display is secured to the threaded inserts built into the frame. We designed it so it's not in the way of the buttons or the power cable. We designed a cutout with jagged edges and printed out a paper template. We used a hot knife foam cutter to create the opening and painted the inner edges. Black LED acrylic is fitted over the display. You can play around with the placement and give it more distance to get a more faded effect. These wood screws are short and stout, which makes them good for screwing into the foam. We placed the battery above the display and secured it using the 3D printed bracket. Then we can plug in a USB power cable and fit the wiring nicely on the back. I hope this inspires you to get the Matrix Portal and try out CircuitPython. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. And don't forget every single Wednesday, 3D Hangouts with Noam Pedro. I think we're up to episode 302. Countdown to episode 400. Or 303. Uh, Again, yeah, why are you playing? You can't play number favorites. I'm not playing number favorites. I'm just, uh, I'm going by the National Gift Registry. When you get to 400 shows, I think that's the platinum year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, do this thing. It's everyone's favorite segment. DigiKey and Adafruit present... This week, 
Alexis. That's right. Malexis, which comes out with, they have some great Hall Effect sensors and magnetometers and magnetic sensors. And this week, we're going to be featuring a fresh new sensor from Alexis, the MLX. 9395, which is uh, comes in a couple of different packages. We'll be highlighting the SOIC because it's the easiest one to solder, but it comes in a couple of different packages. And um, this is uh, the 395 is an upgrade to the 393, which you might be like, hey, that sounds familiar. That's right, we have a breakout for it. And that's why when I saw the 395, I was like, I bet it's just like too better than the 393, which it is. So the uh, 9393 is a magnetometer that we stock. It's um, a very nice um, magnetometer. It has a very wide range and it can do I squared C or SPI. And these magnetometers are not used for Earth's magnetic field sensing. So there's basically like, well, there's like three kinds of magnetometers. There's the low range magnetometers that you'll see that are used in IMUs. And what those do is they detect, like you see here, the Earth's fields, and that can tell you which way is north, right? Just like a compass, basic compass sensor. Uh, in fact, you know, the, the micro bit we were showing off earlier has a compass sensor on it. Um, this sensor, however, is meant for magnets, like literally like the magnets that you have like on your fridge and stuff. Um, those magnets are many, many more times powerful than a compass, which is why you shouldn't have a magnet in your compass if you're trying to find north because the magnet will like mess you up. Just like the plot of like 10 horror movies, right? Yeah. Like the compass getting, I think they're going in circles. Keeps and happening over and over. Keeps happening. So um, this magnetometer is designed for detecting magnets. And it's not like a Hall effect sensor, which Malexis also makes, which detects like one axis of magnet. This does 3D magnet detection. And you're like, why would I do that? I'm glad you asked. Because detecting magnets in 3D is a great way to do um, orientation and uh, lever and motion detection. So for example, um, let's say you have a potentiometer. Now folks here know potentiometer is a very common electronic component. And the way that works is you have a, you know, a, a round uh, you know, 270 degree curve of uh, resistive material and you have a wiper and you have the contacts on either side and then you basically like physically drag this contact, the wiper, across this uh, resistive material to create different resistances, which is great except that anyone who has an old stereo knows that you know, after a couple decades, the, um, the volume knob gets worn out. Like the mechanical rubbing of the wiper on the resistive material eventually like destroys it. And a lot of people, I mean, sometimes you'll go to stereo repair, you'll repair it. But for a lot of people, if you have some equipment that's uh, dealing with a lot of vibrations or a lot of motion, um, you don't want folks to come in and say it doesn't work anymore when really it's because it's like a, you know, a 10 cent, 20 cent potentiometer. So instead, what you could use is a magnetic potentiometer. So you see here on the right, they have a it's potentiometer knob, but has a magnet on the end of it, that yellow black circle. And as they twist it, um, the X and Y axis of the magnetometer, the chip underneath it, detects that rotation. Um, and then you can do, first off, you get full 360 degree rotation. So you kind of get the best of both rotary encoder and potentiometer in which you can do absolute um, orientation detection because you know exactly what degree it's at. And like, it's not like a rotary encoder, which only does ticks. But unlike a potentiometer, you don't have that dead zone, right? That 30% that you can't use. Um, of course, you could put a physical stop in if you wanted to, but you don't have to. And there's no contact, so there's like, you don't have to worry about dirt, you don't have to worry about liquids, you don't have to worry about humidity. It's like, you, you can have something physically in between the two because magnets are magic. It's like spooky action at a distance, except not really. They create a field, and the field is detected by the sensor on the chip. So that's like one uh, kind of um, 
sensing. You can also do linear uh, or slide motion sensing. So within a couple inches away from uh, the sensor, you can have something moving back and forth or in and out, and you can um, detect uh, the location of, you know, this is actually used a lot for interlocks, usually these Hall effect sensors for this, but you can also do like more precision um, linear or slide motion where you can kind of detect where on like the slide it is. It's kind of like a slide pot basically, right? Except again, there's no contact. You don't have to worry about um, the sensor wearing out. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, scratchiness. You don't have to worry about dust getting in. Um, so that's a, another use of these kinds of sensors. Like once you start thinking about like, well, magnets in 3D space, you can get a little creative. Another um, thing that's, this is kind of what we actually see this used for the most, is a 3D joystick motion. So you can either have the joystick on a gimbal or the sensor on a gimbal, and then as you move the sensor around in 3D space, there's a little bit more math involved, but you can detect where that joystick is anywhere. And this is used uh, quite commonly because, you know, uh, Folks who, I think even like um, uh, some high-end uh, gaming joysticks use magnetic because, again, you don't have to worry about that scratchiness or wear or drift of a potentiometer because you've got like this magnet. Um, the magnet's pretty much good forever. And the sensor, um, it can do automatic offset detection if necessary, but it's also like pretty stable. Um, so, you know, 3D joystick is a little bit tougher, but it's also a common use case. Uh, for these sensors, uh, you can use SPI or I2C, uh, so it's really flexible. You can basically use it with any microcontroller. Um, we, you know, wrote some code in Arduino for it and I2C. I think I did that on Saturday or Sunday. You saw me do it, and I was done by the end of the day. It was no. pretty easy. Um, there's things like oversampling, and there's trigger and interrupt and um, filtering and some gain. What I really like is that, um, you know, this chip can do up to 120 millitesla, which is like some insane number of gauss. I think it's like, it's like 12,000 gauss or something. It's just a, it's very, very powerful. It can, can detect um, very strong fields and, and handle them with 16-bit resolution on the ADC. Uh, and you just need uh, I2C or SPI to read that data out. Very easy to use. And it is available on... DigiKey site. You can check it out with the short URL, which I have, digikey.com forward slash short URL, C-N-J-J-R-V, or you can look at it for the part number, or you can just type in Lexus. MLS 9395. I will watch out right below Phil. See that number over there? Uh, that number tells you um, the range. So if it says 001 or 000, that's the 50 millitesla range, which is actually still extremely good. If you get the 101 or 100 range, that is 120 millitesla. So there's different ranges. Um, there's also a built-in temperature sensor, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Uh, but there's different ranges. So depending on, you know, measure your magnet, and then you can pick and choose between the two. And if you're using the 393, uh, the QFN version, at least, is pin compatible. It's not code compatible. The code's a little bit different because, of course, the range is a little different. But, uh, you know, you can solder down. Uh, I use one PCB. I, I as I'll show here, I, I used an MLX 393 PCB, put the 395 on, and it worked like a charm. So you want to go check out this demo? Yeah, we have a demo, and then at the end we'll play a video. Check out this. Okay, Everybody. so this is the uh, MLX 9395. It says 393 because, again, I, I got a PCB that was for the 393 because we stock it in the store, and I just started 395 on it. I got this large magnet. This is a... Uh, large rare earth magnet 
Um, and you can see as I uh, as I get close, it doesn't uh, it doesn't saturate. It can handle um, quite a powerful magnetic field. Like two of these together can kind of really pinch your finger. So these are fairly strong. So you can see the field, and you can see how um, you know as I twist it, you can see how the x and y axis change, and you would use that to detect uh, rotation. You can see how the numbers move as I move it in an X or Y direction. Another really cool thing is you can, um, unlike potentiometer, you can measure Z. So you can see the Z axis yeah, cool. going in and out. So um, great. You know, I think there's a lot of projects that would actually benefit from um, magnetic sensing. It's like if you have something that's only, you know, a couple inches away and you want to detect motion or orientation or, or have... Um, you know, you want to detect something, but it's not physically connected. There's not a lot of options, but magnets, magnets can be a very good trick. Yeah. You, know, you put a magnet in something, and then you can detect when it's placed and how it's placed. There's and some musical instrument stuff that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, with magnets. Do. And people people have magnets, and they're very common. Yeah. So All that's right. this week's NPI. We also have a video yeah. from Alexis. Let's play the video. It's nice and short. Let's just uh, keep rolling. Let's do okay. new products. All right. Uh, first up, a reminder, your orders fuel us. Thank you. Yes, thank you. We are working so hard and safely to yeah. get products to people, to make new stuff, to get it in stock, um, to make sure that people have electronics to learn with at home. That's right. Uh, and to play with when they need a little bit of a distraction. And uh, don't forget... Uh, Box. And I think it's important to support companies that are transparent about their safety and health protocols for their employees. So we are one of those companies. Um, our team is safe, and we thank you. That's why we're able to do it. You can go to adafruit.com slash opensafely. By the way, we're shipping Adabox. Here's a little uh, promo thing that makes you go to adabox.com and click join, and then you put in your details, then you get it. But this is the thing that... In like a week. This is the thing If that, you order now, yeah. you'll get it like in a week. This is the thing that we show you. And it goes into your brain, and your brain's like, I want that.
Next up, our CircuitPython posters are now in stock. You can get those. Just in time for beta one and release candidate. Pick yeah. one up. And then um, next up, we have a coming soon that's in the store since it was announced, which is the latest version of the Microbit. I keep, I forgot. I yeah, show this off. we have one, and we're going to be shipping them as soon as they arrive. So if you sign up, you get yours first. Yes. Um, we get we, notified. We do you. have some on pre-order. We, I will say one thing. We pre-ordered them from the Microbit Foundation, but we do not do pre-orders. And the reason we don't is we want to make sure that if we promise something is in stock, we really have it in stock. Um, but if you sign up, you'll be notified as soon as they come in, and uh, you can get first dibs if you're fast on that buy button. Um, this is the new Microbit V2. Uh, some cool updates. So uh, one thing you'll notice is it's got these little teeth. So these are for alligator clips. So historically, uh, this was nice and uh, flat, but it meant that alligator clips didn't like, they could slip a little bit, and sometimes people would accidentally touch um, the side pads. So um, they now have a little notch, so when you use an alligator clip, it, it grips very nicely. There's still two buttons on the front, and there are uh, 25 LEDs on the front as well in a 5x5 grid. Um, this is now a capacitive touch button. This logo, so if you touch it, uh, stuff happens. Um, on the back, there is still the micro USB connector. This reset button um, is also used for power. I think if you like double-click it or something, it puts the board into low power mode, so you don't have to unplug um, from the JST connector, which is the same JST. Again, you can use... Uh, two or th uh, two alkaline or three rechargeable batteries. Um, the chip has been upgraded. It's now an NRF 52 instead of a 51 series. So it's got that Cortex M4, tons more RAM, tons more flash. That means, especially for folks who were trying MicroPython on the earlier MicroBit, um, you'll know that the, there's, it was limited. You could write some code, but after about 50 lines, you'd run out of memory. Um, no, no longer risk. You're gonna, you're not gonna be able to run out of memory on this chip. There's, it's like tons of RAM, and um, there's some more capabilities that was added, such as a microphone, so you can now do voice reactive, sound reactive projects, including machine learning projects. There's also a speaker. The speaker might look familiar. Uh, it's the same speaker that's on Circuit Playground, Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. Um, so toots and tones, you can make them. You can maybe even play uh, little sound clips um, on this little speaker. Uh, there's still a bunch of GPIO available here. There's an accelerometer, magnetometer. I think that's the LSM303 over here. Um, little assistant chip. Um, even though this chip has native USB, uh, the native USB is not exposed. Instead, it uses um, this DAP-Link chip. So the USB connection is always there and it has serial and um, mass storage and you drag hex files on and it reprograms the chip. So that's still how you're going to program it. So it's like back compatible with the old style. And if you want, I can turn them on just to show the little demo. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, why not? We're doing a live show. We're doing a live show. So this is what the demo looks like. Hold on, I got this funky cable. And same USB as before, right? Yes. So it fits in cases. Yeah. It's a little annoying. <laughs> Parents are going to love that. I know. So as you could hear, it's got uh, it's still got the LEDs, but now it's got a buzzer. It can make uh, yeah. tones, and you know what's cool is MakeCode um, has support for this chip. And you, if you remember, um, the um, MakeCode has a really cool uh, musical instrument device. They they designed it. It works for Circuit Player and Bluefruit um, as well, but it'll definitely be more useful now for the Microbit V2. So this is coming soon. I think in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so sign up. It should work with pretty much all of the existing 
um, peripherals that are out there. Um, we haven't tested them. We just we just got this, but um, you know it has the same pinout and connectivity. So I think you'll be able to upgrade. I think this is now five years in the yeah. Beacon. And if you want something with more umph, get a clue. Literally, we have Adafruit's clue, and then we have. It's a great upgrade. Start with this. Yeah. And then you can even show if you want to show the, the wi- upcoming Wi-Fi clue. Yeah, we'll show that in Top Secret. Yeah, so we have a we have a Wi-Fi clue being designed. So uh, coming soon, Microbit V2. Okay. This is the only one I have. Here's a battery holder. Uh, here's a battery holder. It's uh, a three AA battery holder. Uh, I can uh, I can quickly grab it here. Uh, we already have one in the store that has a belt clip, but we actually got some without the belt clip, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty handy. Yeah. Um, so we put it in the shop. It's got an on-off switch and it's got uh you know it's a simple slot for three double a's turn it on or off with this big switch you know it's just really handy this you know you can use this with um you can use this with the micro bit but use uh rechargeable batteries that'll give you about 3.6 volts uh it's not for use with the micro bit with alkalines but for any of our boards that normally would take a lipo battery so they can take like three to six volts in um these battery packs are a great way to use Nickel metal hard, uh, nickel metal hydride rechargeable batteries um, instead of a lipo battery. So um, you know, on our clue board, circuit playgrounds, um, your feather, uh, sorry, not feather boards, but um, uh, like the new Metro I'm designing that has like a you know, a, a, sorry, the Stemma friend that has a battery input but not a battery charging port. Um, these are very handy. Of course, you can also cut the uh, connector off if you would like, and just solder to your, your project. Okay. Um, next up, I'm so sorry, everybody, you know, we're just not good at dealing with pandemics in the yeah. United States. So we have a pandemic pack because you'll probably need to either get one or give one. Um, and we've been doing PPE from the start. So it awesome. comes with a few things. A okay. Pulse you get oximeter. a really good pulse oximeter. I really like these and, uh, they, they have FDA certification. We checked that out. Um, it's an OLED display and it shows pulse. It's got, uh, we also have a version that's Bluetooth if you're interested. This one does not do Bluetooth. We also uh, ship you five um, reusable masks. These are like KN95 style masks. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, and, I'll just go through all Yeah, these. and then we also have KN95, and then we have some Blue Surgical. Blue Surgicals uh, and ear protectors. Yeah. Uh, we have this glass. People really like these, this glasses frame. Yeah. Because it's very light and comfortable. You, just, you can put it on easily and you can. Uh, wash it we have one washable fabric mask with multiple layers yeah. uh, blue surgical masks and a non-contact uh, thermometer yeah so if you're gonna you know have to do anything over the holidays um give the gift of not getting infected this holiday season yeah if you if, right. you, if you give this somebody they have no excuse they can't say well i have no masks it's like we literally give you like yeah. 60 masks <laughs> okay Next up, we have um, a smaller piece of this LED acrylic. Uh, people really like this, but they're like, we don't need a gigantic piece. We now have a piece that's about half the size. Uh, it fits great on our um, P4 four millimeter pitch LED matrices. Uh, but of course you can laser cut it or score and cut it to, um, to use with um, smaller displays or uh, NeoPixels. Let's go to the overhead and I'll just quickly show it. So um, normally when you get LED matrices or you use LEDs, they have this very sharp, bright look to them, which can like, well, obviously it's blowing out this, um, uh, this camera, but it also it's a little bit harsh on the eyes. Um, when you put the matrix on top, it just kind of diffuses it and you still get the colorfulness uh, and the contrast is a lot better. You don't, 
you don't see like the off LEDs because they're, um, you know, the contrast has improved a lot. And uh, people really like the look of them. It makes animations especially look really nice and crisp. You don't get like, it, it's pixelated, but it looks like pixel art, not like um, points of light that are stabbing you in the eye. All right. Next up. Okay, we've got the new Feather S2. So this is cool. This is, um, we're starting to see some ESP32 S2 stuff come out. So this is from Unexpected Maker, and it looks like it's a four-layer board with an ESP32 uh, S2 chip on it, some flash, and some PS RAM. I think it's got like 16 megabytes of flash and like 8 megabytes of PS RAM or something like that. It's got battery charging. It's got a boot and reset button, so it's good if you need to go in the bootloader. It's got like a funky antenna. It's got a dot star LED. I think it has a light sensor. It has two regulators, um, so you can like go into ultra low power mode. And what's cool is at the end, it's got a STEMI-QT connector, which is our favorite because it means you can plug in any of our i 2 c sensors, so we can even show that off. So this is the board, and uh, this is the display I'm gonna be showing off shortly. Um, and you can see it, you know, it, it just displays the console on the, uh, hold on, let's see if I can get a little bit clearer. And I can try risking yeah, there. there you go. I'll try resetting. I don't know if it's going to work. Give me a second. But, um, oh, there you go. So you can, um, you're going to plug in any of these. Yeah, this LED is so bright. You can plug in any kind of sensor, or we have, um, uh, you know, obviously these displays. We have um, some analog digital converters if you need more pins. Uh, we have, uh, like, digital potentiometers, all sorts of, like, weird stuff. All available over I2C, so you can just plug and play it so you can make your own like Wi-Fi sensor or like air quality monitor without having to do any soldering at all. Uh, it comes with CircuitPython. There's some preliminary Arduino support. Espressif uh, has it in a branch. Uh, it is a little bit early, but you know, you can definitely play around with it. We have Wi-Fi working on it and uh, more coming along. So you can pick up one of these. We have a limited number, um, but you're gonna see a lot more Circuit Python uh, powered ESP32 S2 goodies yeah. coming out soon. The other good thing that I like is um, we are helping ecosystems. So other companies, people, unexpected makers making unexpected things. Um, this is a feather. It's totally unexpected. This is a feather. And, you know, the neat thing is you can elevate, amplify, and we can use our platform to get more hardware out there. So thank you, Unexpected Maker, and everyone out there who make feather and feather accessories. We know for a fact that when people choose electronics now, they want something that'll work with a lot of different things. They also like something they can build upon. So that's why we made feather, and that's why um, there's more feathers out there than I think any other type of platform. So this is always good to see. Happy to see it in the store. So buy it if, buy it, if you have any left in stock. Okay, yeah. next up, the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, is this really beautiful large OLED display? Um, this was something that Scott sent over and said, "I want, I want this in the store." And I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll get to it." And a couple months later, uh, I got to it. So this is a 1.5 inch diagonal, 128 by 128 OLED that has 16 grayscale supports. So you can see these little um, Ada flakes. Um, each one of them is a different color uh, because it has a four uh, bit per pixel display. You can see it kind of from the darkest little, well, there's one black one, so you don't see that, from the darkest, all the way to uh, all white. Um, you have 16 different grayscale shades. Um, it comes on a breakout board with four mounting holes. 
Uh, we have both Arduino and uh, CircuitPython support for it. Display IO, so you saw that CircuitPython actually, um, that was what was connected to the Feather I just showed a moment ago. Uh, you can use I2C or SPI by default. It ships in I2C mode. Um, I will say because of the size of the display, you need 8K of RAM to buffer it because it's four bits per pixel. It's 120 by 128. It's not going to run on Uno. It's not going to run on Leonardo. You really need something with a ton of RAM. Um, so like, you know, the ESP32, obviously, this is a, uh, a great option because this has a ton of RAM. Um, and this, of course, even better, has a, a built-in uh, connector um, to communicate with the sensor. Um, another good option, which is what I originally made my demo on, is the Cutie Pie. So you see also I can just plug it in, and the Cutie Pie has um, 32K of RAM. So it's also got enough memory. And of course, did I just use, oh, one second. One moment, I think I've got the wrong cable. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Too many cables. Lots of cables. Unless I broke it somehow. Oh, no. No, there you go. Um, so uh, this demo is running in Arduino, and so you can see it's just drawing different shapes in uh, the grayscale uh, colors. Um, I do recommend that if you want, you know, this isn't very, very fast. I'm running it at 1 megahertz, but if you really want a oh, high fine. speed, uh, I'd recommend going with SPI. You're going to get... Um, really, really fast performance with SPI. You'll need it because, again, the display is 8K. Um, our Arduino library does have, um, uh, like, dirty window drawings, so it only draws the sections that have changed, and that helped a little bit with speed-ups. But um, I will say, you know, if you're, like, using I2C, you're like, why is it so slow? Uh, go to SPI. You're going to be a lot happier when you can drive it at 8 or 16 megahertz than um, I2C at 1 megahertz. But either way, uh, it's a beautiful display. It's our largest OLED, 120 by 120. It's quite large, um, but it still has all the, the fun and joy of a plug-and-play uh, STEM QT connector. So uh, check it out. Check out these OLEDs. I think we put a couple in the store, and we're going to be putting in more throughout the week. That's the That's right. Okay, so we're going to do some top secret. While we do that, there were some questions that were in the Discord chat, I think, from David. We'll get to those in a sec. I yeah. jotted them down. Um, but let's do some top secret while y'all are putting your questions. Yeah, put your questions in. Over on Discord. Do it on Discord, though. Do it on Discord. Okay, so from the vault. From the vault. All right, so first up, um, I'm going to show a video. Okay. So uh, the updated microbit came out. Well, we've been working on updated clue. So this yeah. is an ESP... 32S2 with a mini module, and that, we think this would make a great yeah. Clue so that's coming soon. Uh, and now I'm going to play two videos. The first one um, speaks for itself. The second one we'll pop back over and talk about the uh, stem frame. All right, Lady Data, what is this? Hey, I designed a new stem IQT board over the weekend. I wrote a library for it. This is the MLX uh, 939. 9395, and it's an ultra-high-range magnetometer. So um, right now it's kind of measuring the Earth's field, and you can see it's kind of juddering around like zero. It's not, it's, it's not a high-precision, it's a high-range sensor. So what's nice about this is that I can't saturate it, even with this, like, rare-Earth magnet. Um, and so this is used for, like, doing magnetic field sensing, not Earth magnetic field, but, like, you know, a magnet or a motor or something like that. And this is a new sensor from Alexis. So Tri-Axis Micropower Magnetometer. It's actually going to be this week's NPI, but don't tell anybody that. It's a secret. 
Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, I just put together a prototype of this board that I'm calling Stemma Friend. I don't have a really cool name for it yet, but it's basically a Sam D21 board with a 240 by 240 display, and it's meant to help me with like I squared C development. So um, for this board, I'll just show the back, there's two Stemma QT connectors, and there's a Grove compatible connector, and then this is that display, there's a mode button. Sam 21 USB-C, and then battery power, if you want to battery power. It's meant to be really small. And right now what it's doing is you can see it's actually scanning through every address and displaying what I2C addresses it sees. And this is really handy because when I'm bringing up a board, the first thing I check is, is it powered and does it show up on I2C? So you'll see, uh, like here, I've got one device on the uh, stomach uh, port, and then if I unplug this guy here, the um, the I2C address is unhighlight. So if I plug it in, you'll see it highlights. If I remove it, it gets uh, turns back to gray. So a little uh, tool just to help me debug my Stemma QT boards. And that's a Stemma Pal. So yeah. what's uh, what's going on with this thing? Yeah. So this is a new board that well we were chatting about like we have so many Stemma boards and we were like talking about. You and I were just chatting while we were walking about like what it takes to bring one up and all like the design decisions and like we thought like wouldn't it be cool to have a little like friend like something that is is like your little pal that goes with all the stem boards that helps you test them and debug them and maybe can like you know from our most popular sensors maybe even tell you like the values of, of like humidity or light or something. Um, so I'm, I've basically designed a, a very small board. Um, it has our 240 by 240. Well, uh, 1.3 inch color TFT. I really love this TFT. It's like so inexpensive and it's colorful and it's great resolution. And on the back, it's got a SAMD21 and it's, you know, the code's going to be definitely an Arduino because there's no way you could fit all the library code you need for every sensor on CircuitPython. I think it would be just too expensive and too large um, with a SAMD51 and too complicated. I want to keep it simple. Um, there's two I2C ports. One is like a Grove compatible port. It's a, um, JST PH2 pin at uh, two millimeter, and one is the JST SH, like the standard Stemma QT or Quick Connector. Uh, so they're two separate devices, and then there's the SPI device for the display, and then there's also a UART device that's shared on these pins. So I'm going to also have it do a couple of UART things, like a UART display or debug. Uh, there's also a mode button, so maybe like all the different modes you can kind of cycle between them. Uh, and there's a reset button. Um, I'm going to get rid of this LED; it's too bright. And there's a little NeoPixel over here as well. And um, so the first demo I wrote was just like a basic I2C scanner. Because I, I, I can actually use this like constantly. I'm always making breakouts and I'm like, does this even show up on I2C? Does it power up? Does it like enumerate, right, in I2C land? So this scanner, all it does is it goes through like every address starting from 8 to 77. That's the standard I2C address space because it's 7-bit and there's some that are reserved. And then, um, you know, as you unplug um, and plug in, uh, devices they appear so like you see this one is uh, the blue letters and then the yellow characters are for um, the Grove Connect so if I disconnect that the the yellow uh, highlight goes away so this scanner can work on um, either port so it could be handy if you have like you know one you have like a Grove sensor or something with a larger uh, connector or if you just have like two devices that have the same I2C um, interface you want to connect to both of them so it can do that so that's the beginning, and then I, I started an I2C sniffer, and I got the 
software working using again it's like all interrupt based so it wouldn't work in circuit python anyways because it's like very very tight timing um but i can sniff 100 kilohertz i squared c and output it to the uart so i'm going to clean that up and then um i'll add that so i'll just keep adding modes and then maybe i'll have a mode where for like our top 20 most popular devices it'll say hey i detected that you plugged in like yeah. You know, a PCT 2050-75, here's the temperature. Now, the only thing is that, you know, it's not going to work all the time because you can't always detect exactly what device is um, there. Like, for some devices I really like, they have an ID connect. They have some they have some register you can read that could tell you, like, hey, this is what it is. But there's actually a lot of sensors that don't. Um, you know, there's a lot of sensors where the ID is, like, the only thing that really differentiates it. So we won't be able to do it for everything, but I think we can, like, yeah. Maybe do it for some. Like well, definitely well, the BMP two eighty series, for example. Yeah, and this is kinda of like that vision of the future that we were all told about. Like you plug it in and it announces itself on the network and it says, Here's what I am, here's what I can do. Yeah. And then you can start to Yeah. Like, oh cool, I have a humidity sensor and I have a GPS. Now I can Yeah, I would yeah. have it just like be like, Hey, I detected like an I squared C GPS. Like it, it for some items it's like they're very unique and you definitely know like this is yeah. A GPS item, so I think um, I think we'll try. I don't know how effective. I, you know, I'm not gonna be able to make the universal everything everything, but I think yeah. you know we can have a pack with our most popular sensors, like you know the SI7021. This is a popular Scilabs sensor, and that that would definitely be able to work. And I think the PCT2075, you know, would also probably work. All right. All right. So that's the that's not secret. Get back in the wall. Okay. So we're gonna do questions, and I'm gonna. Do these a little bit out of order, so uh, just uh, hang on tight. We do this over Discord, yeah. by the way. Um, this one came in from Darian, and I'm going to bounce around. Okay. Um, do you think, on average, the new grayscale 1.5 OLED draws more or less current than the color 1.5 OLED using Adafruit Snowflake image? As an example, I'm working on a low-power project, which specifically need an OLED. So I'm wondering which is a better use case for that. And then someone said, sub-question, can you save a lot of uh, by going light gray instead of dark gray? Um, in theory, the color, the, the brightness of the LED is what dictates the power. So yeah, going dimmer will use less power. I think the grayscale will probably use less power than the color one. But, you know, the power is also dictated by this external boost converter, which is like what's going to be drawing the quiescent current. Um, at, that, at that point, it's, like, it's really going to be very close. You're going to have to try both and see and see which comes up. There's, it's kind of a, annoying because I wish there was like an answer, but because it's not, it's not like a TFT where it's a consistent amount of current. The current really depends on the number of pixels you have lit. Okay. How would you communicate between two cutie pies, preferably with CircuitPython? Electrically, can you safely plug the stomach QT cable between the two? If I squared C communication is not possible without resistor, is non I squared C communication possible over that link? If I can do I squared C, then can one of them be I squared C peripheral of the other, and then for two, maybe having a power source could be an issue, except for if the same computer. I wouldn't even use I squared C. I'd use UART. If you only have two, have right. one be a UART in and one have a UART out, and then you can have bidirectional communication between the two. And you can if if you can use a stem connector because and just you, initialize that in Circuit Python as a UART, not as I squared C, because I squared C and UARTs have the same. They can use the same pins on the SAMD21, so you, I think, I don't know which pin is which, like maybe SCL is RX and what's TX, and then you just have to flip the pins on the cable, so like RX and TX have to be swapped on the two, but then you'll be able to send and receive messages very easily with just um, write and read over the UR, and then yeah, you can power one 
I mean, like, it's not a great idea, but you can you can do it. Okay, and um, could you power a, a cutie pie over the stemma link from another stemma board? You can. It's just, it's it's not the be- you know it's not good engineering practice, but in practice you can like, in theory you're not supposed to do it, but in practice you can do it. Okay. Right. So just be just be careful not to draw too much current, not to short the output. They're also six bucks, so I don't know. how Yeah, I mean, like you can mm, pretty much do it. Have fun. It's, it's fine. Uh, if the chippy scope is sticking around, uh, is the chippy scope going to skip around stick around even if the uh, chippy chip is discontinued? I hope so, but I, I'm also hoping that um, I can replicate some of the chippy scope capabilities on the Stemma friend if necessary, because I really like the, the serial port yeah. monitor. That's a cool thing. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm aiming to do with this is I want to have like a serial console displayer. That's okay. where I have a UART input. I'll answer this one. Business question, how do you handle products that don't sell or haven't been sitting in inventory for a while? Liquidate, um, that's they're asking, do you liquidate? How do you handle returns or bad boards during production? I feel that the returns could be a killer for an open hardware company's bottom line. So returns could be a killer for any, any company. If you if you have good quality control, though, it's not a big deal. So, we actually have very, very, I'll, very few returns. I'll, yeah. I get every return, basically. So I'll say this, and I know this isn't the answer that people will like to hear, but it's the answer that they need to hear. Um, if you do a good job for your customers and you do code and you document and you really focus on quality, you don't have to worry about people not buying your stuff and you don't have to worry about a lot of returns. So generally speaking, we're chronically out of stock, which is not a bad place to be like, we'll never be able to get enough time to get all the electronics that we want out. And the good news is eventually we do lots and lots of runs of electronics and then eventually a new chip comes out and then we have a new version and then we make lots and lots and lots of those yeah so unfortunately the business is new business so you don't really want to be stuck with a huge amount of anything and to not get stuck with a huge amount of anything you have to do predictive inventory which we do predictive sales what we do Um, we even were thinking back in january that there was going to be this giant pandemic and things were going to be weird um, because we had factory partners over in Wuhan, and they're like, hey, things are weird. When your factory partners in China send you masks in February, you should listen to them, um, because that's weird. And we never got sent masks before. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. like, here's your PCBs. By the way, here's some masks. You're going to need them. So we try to do a really good job with forecasting. But I, I really think, in the end, the reason that our return rate is so low, our support issues are so low, is because we focus... So much on code and examples and videos. And we also have like, you know, test test hardware. I'll say that a lot of people, the reason we use forums is a lot of folks, and it's not their fault, they they misconfigure something because the instructions, maybe they didn't follow a step, or they think something's broken. Actually, like, half the time it isn't. Half the time it's like, no, you, uh, you know, actually every day it's like you selected the wrong board from the Arduino drop-down. You know, people select... The Metro M0 when they meant the Metro M4, or they select the ESP32 when they meant the 8266. And so they're like, it's not working, it's not working. It's like, actually, no, the hardware's working because we do test it. Um, but, you know, post up some screenshots and we'll see what, what happened. It's rarely hardware. Like, like, if it's hardware, it's like it got cracked or it's broken, obviously. Yeah. But if it's like, oh, it's not functioning the way people think, it's usually not a hardware issue. Yeah, when someone asked about the NATV, we have those. Yeah, we, Look, we're going to stock anything that Bunny so, and G make so, as long as they make so it. So don't build your business on... Uh, what Bunny's making. We stock Bunny stuff because... It's why we like him. Because Bunny is an open hardware god, and whatever he has, we we want it personally. So that's why we have some in there. And I we, will say, I, I can't guarantee any of his stuff will... I mean, as long as he's making it, I will yeah. carry it. But at some point, 
he does say, I'm not making this anymore. Yeah, so it, it is, it, it's almost collector's items. Yeah. So next up, um, work on a crazy project requires a small mobile I2C fully mini keyboard. Do you have any recommendations? I'm currently messing with an M5 stack keyboard, but it's not great or reliable. It requires five volts, which is cost Yeah, it's just tough. I think, um, you know, I looked into this and there's no really good answer. I mean, um, Arturo uses the, the uh, Blackberry keyboards, but those are new old stock. I mean, those are leftover yeah. stock, and you you can't guarantee. There's that. a lot of them, but you still gotta go. Through yeah, it. there's eventually they're gonna run out, and so that's why I think they're all risky. Um, it's really t I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I think I've seen um, people basically make keyboards. Yeah, like the M5 stack with little with little buttons. Um, you can use tactile switches, but there's there's really no answer. Um, I would say if you can, it might actually be cheaper to put Bluetooth on it and then use a Bluetooth keyboard or you have somebody's phone act as the yeah. keyboard. It sucks, but like that's kind of the, the best solution I got. There's lots of Bluetooth keyboards. Lots of Bluetooth keyboards. Um, okay. Is there a connector you would consider to be standard for your like quick stem QT is now for I2C? I think like 0.1 inch header seems to be the standard and there's no real, there's no real standard. Okay. And I think maybe like the FTDI header is kind of the closest thing, right? Yeah. All right. Shout out to Tinkering Tech. Yeah. Like the thing is with all these business questions, like we've been almost at this for like 15 years. And so a lot of things are counterintuitive. I'll just throw out another, you know, maker business thing. We don't do back orders like for resellers and for institutions we do, but for retail customers we don't. And we lose we and lose money, but we do and we don't. And it so saves us so it's much effort. A lot of good business sometimes is counterintuitive. The reason why we don't do back orders is yeah. because we want to be able to meet the demand. If you take back orders or you're doing giant batches at a time and maybe you would get stuck with inventory, what we do is try to manage the amount of inventory based on signups, based on demand. And we also know we're moving towards new products constantly. Like if you buy a feather this year, um, you're not done. There's another feather with a faster, better chip coming out next year. And that's that's the state of the art, and that's what you kind of have to do. So this nimble, like just-in-time manufacturing that people used to talk about, we actually pulled it off in New York City, first in our apartment and then in a factory. So there's a lot of things. There's just a lot of things that are, when you when you think about it, it's weird to say, why wouldn't you just take people's money? But with components, sometimes you run out. Sometimes people will place an order for a 1,000 of something, and you could never fulfill it. So when you place an order on Adafruit, it ships. And that, no, that, that's the game. That's the game that we want to Unless there's to. some terrible thing that went wrong. What it's are the odds of that? Yeah. Okay. Um, next up. Do, 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 do. They still make those BlackBerry keyboards new from what uh, I, you heard. Yeah, it could I'm, be. I'm not convinced. I yeah. think they're old stock. I actually just don't think that there's... Who knows? Yeah. I think there's just a bunch. I just it's it's just tough sometimes. That'd be pretty cool. If BlackBerry ended up just being like a keyboard company. Yeah, just like, just I mean like, they're, we're just they're make like keyboards. basically as, as close as you're gonna get to like a small portable keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks for deleting some stuff in the chat there. Yeah. Someone's doing a bunch of emojis and oh and uh, Scott has a uh, who also ran a company um, and heads up Circuit Python development um he says we're pretty good at deciding why a project's cool learn guides are a great force a forcing function for knowing why folks will buy a product yeah um it is it is one of those things where like you have to curate like there's a like i, I look someone says like hey thanks for i think it was an uh, unexpected maker thanks for doing feather well feather was us listening to the community and observing what was working and what wasn't working in like the arduino ecosystem 
And that's what we came up with because we do shows every week. We talk to people. We're in the community. We have chats. Like open source, like it is one of the most powerful ways to develop products. But you have to actually what you give is what you get. And I think a lot of companies are like, here's this beautiful thing we worked on secretly for six months, and they're devastated when no one wants it. Yeah, because I don't. I'm not a one product company. I mean, I have so many ideas, but I think the ideas they create more ideas, right? So it's like you know, we we did. We did the Pi Portal, and then we're like, well, what if we had a Pi Portal that was for LED matrices and we made yeah. Matrix Portal? So it's like, and, and we do make DIY maker electronics, but they're used to create products. They're used to for people to um, create ideas and do prototyping and design. You know, there's big companies that buy our stuff and use it in their test jigs. You know, I know that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that's our show for tonight, everybody. Right, thank you. Um, we have to, I have to go to the office, actually. I have to go yeah, to we have, we're on night shift on, on usually, but uh, later night shift tonight. I got some inks. I got these inks. We have some inks we have to pick up. I'm going to pick up. Um, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bars are closed, but e-ink's open. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> our code is open. Um, so we'll see everybody next week. Special thanks to Jesse May, who's over in the Adafruit Slack doing things behind the scenes. Special thanks to everyone in the Adafruit community. I have to say the Discord chat was great tonight. Thanks, everybody. All y'all had cool. great questions. You're doing really good engineering. I know everything sucks. And uh, like I've said in other shows, like, yeah, we're going to all be damaged uh, on the other side of this. But let's come out damaged together and with some skills. Because, like, why not? <laughs> like, what else are we going to do? Yeah. Time is going to march on no matter what. So we may as well figure out some stuff that we want to do here together. So um, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, please consider picking up an Adabox. It helps us uh, run Adafruit and more. And pick up some stuff, adafruit.com slash new. Don't forget we have all of these freebies, freebies that you freebies. check out. And definitely the Adabox. I'm telling you, we're about to run out. And then every yeah. single time, there's always people who email us and say, Hey, I tried to sign up, but it says there's no more signups. That's right. It's limited. It's a limited thing. Yeah. There's a physical limit of how many we can ship before a holiday because there's just like so much time. They're already made. We, have, we made they're, them. They're made and they're going out. They're so going if you, out. you could potentially sign up for an Adabox now and it could go out by the end of the week. Yes. Very possible. Very good gift. This one is going to be a great gift for people. Yeah. All right. So that's our show. We'll see everybody next week. Here's your moment of Zener, And then I'm going to play some music. And at the very end, I'm going to play uh, another Adabox video. Big time.